Recorded live from just under that rock over there, it's Transformation Thursday. My name is Amy Stevens and my pronouns are she, her, and I am doing this solo today. Well, not entirely, I do have a guest. Today I'm chatting with Kimberly Anderson, a marriage and family therapist uh, in Utah, right Kimberly? Uh-huh, yep, I'm licensed to practice in Utah and in California. All right, so we're going to be discussing all the bills around the country, well, more specifically in Utah, targeting transgender youth, their families, and the doctors who provide this vulnerable community gender-affirming health care and the mental health effects that it takes on the transgender and gender-diverse communities. We'll be right back with my conversation with Kimberly right after the traditional music swell and fade Let's talk about change, Amy. Okay, let me see. It looks like I've got three quarters, a nickel, a Canadian loony, and a few British tenors from when I was in London, because I'm an international comedian. No, not that change. Change is in transformation. The topic of Transformation Thursday. Oh yeah, that. Well, we're doing this podcast to highlight how much things change and how quickly they do it in society today. Everything changes and change isn't good or bad, it just is. The more we realize that change is just the natural progression of things, the better off we'll be. Now, let's talk about change. Didn't we just do that? No, no, not the last one. The first one. The coins. Money. About how people can give us some of theirs so that we can continue talking about ours. Are you just trying to get people to go to our Patreon page to support this podcast so that we can continue our exploration of what it means to live in a rapidly changing world? Because although this is a labor of love we do have expenses and by going to transformationthursday.com they can help ensure that we can continue to be bringing this fun and insightful commentary on the world today plus get exclusive patrons only content um if i say yes can we get on to our next segment oh god i hope so Okay then, transformationthursday.com. Also, can you break a 20 for me? Sure, I can get that to you in euros. Okay, now you're just showing off. Welcome back to Transformation Thursday. I am Amy Stevens. My pronouns are still she, her since the break. Uh, today, as we just mentioned, we are welcoming back to the podcast, Kimberly Anderson, a marriage and family therapist in Utah, intern technically, in, um, but actually associate in California, correct? MF, an AMFT in California, associate marriage family therapist in California, and an MFT intern in Utah, yeah. Okay, so I got the terminology right for it's one. It's so Yay. confusing. It is um, so confusing. I know, and then I'm working towards my LMHC, so it's all kinds of this crazy here going on. So, mm -hmm. Kimberly, you were on about a year ago um, here with the Transformation Thursday podcast. Thank you for coming back. Mm -hmm. We discussed how trans and gender diverse folks can stay safe during a pandemic. Um, we're still in the pandemic, and we're still dealing with our communities trying to stay safe, aren't we? Right, and I think in that past year, the, the communities that we have formed have kept people safe and more bluntly have kept people alive. So it's nice to see that the efforts that myself and others like you, Penny, this podcast, many, many other people of forming chosen focused communities has gotten us through the past year, which has been hard for everyone. Yeah. And, you know, and I've seen that firsthand too, and I've received mm -hmm. the messages too, you know, you know, we're educating, we're caring, um, we're building communities and, 
These are so vital right now because for a lot of people, especially younger folks, it's so hard for them if they're, you know, in households that are traditionally very conservative, very right. religious, and, you know, and they're just trying to stay alive. So that, that's a lot of the clientele you're working with, isn't it? It is. Many, so I work, my placement currently is a little confusing. I'm a marriage and family therapist intern working as a subcontractor for Flourish Therapy. And you can look at the website flourishtherapy.org. I am also, Flourish Therapy has, we've rented offices at the Rebirth Health Center in Holiday, Utah. Rebirth Health Center is directed by Dr. Rick Lucanar. She's an OBGYN, um, endocrinologist, pediatric endocrinologist, and she works with the majority, I shouldn't say the majority anymore because there are other players now, but the majority of the clients that we see are either trans or non-binary or female. Very few uh, cis-identifying men attend the, the Rebirth Health Center, although I think there are a few just for convenience with spouses and kids. Rebirth brought me in as a mental health specialist specifically to coordinate care with many of their patients who are looking for uh, initial surgical referral letters for insurance, uh, approval for medical interventions, and many of those individuals have gone on to want longer-term mental health care from me or several of the other providers at Flourish. So it's been a very beneficial symbiotic relationship. Uh, There are many days when we have conversations in the hall regarding X, Y, or Z, um, usually it's related to trans, either medical health care or mental health care. And it's, just, it's been great for me to be in this environment where so many uh, of the current cutting edge um, issues of, uh, of what's going on in the medical and mental health and political arenas uh, are, are being addressed head on. So it's been a really remarkable placement for me. And I've been there since, oh, let's say, honestly, maybe since November. Yeah, since about November. Well, and that's that's the interesting thing because, you know, you're at this point in Utah where a lot of this stuff comes together, you know. Yeah. So we're we're not legislative or legal experts, you know. But oh no, heavens, heaven forbid, <laughs> keep me out of that. <laughs> but these things come together and affect mental mm-hmm. health, mm-hmm. and so I mean, just it just give us like you know the two minute elevator speech on you know. What's going on on the ground in Utah right now with, you know, transgender health care legislation? Mm-hmm. What's the status? And then, you know, let's transition that over to the mental health care side, because I think that's where you and I are going to have probably our most beneficial conversation. Well, current the current legislation in Utah kind of we have to rewind maybe a year to go last year where they were having the legislative legislative conversations around conversion therapy. And if it's legal for minors, if it's legal for adults, and if it is legal, who can do it? If it's not legal, who can Who can still do it? Who can't do it? So these legislative efforts, as we're going to see in many of these states, it's not just a one and done. This is a sequence or a long, prolonged attack of anti-trans legislation for mental health care and physical health care as well. Last year, the conversion therapy bill, it actually passed the House and the Senate in Utah. Governor Herbert chose not to sign it. Governor Herbert chose to push it to the DOPL, which is the Division of Professional Licensing, and they are the ones that are in charge of making uh, policy and procedure for mental and medical health care providers in the state of Utah. Governor Herbert saw that this bill was out of scope for legislative practice, 
and pitched it to the people who it is in scope for. So kudos to Governor Herbert. Uh, this year, two bills were on the table. Uh, I live right next to an airport. You're going to hear an airplane. <laughs> it's okay. Right overhead. So there are two bills. Um, the House bill, I think it's HB 392. Actually, you know what? I'm not going to report or repeat the numbers because I will screw them up because they're not in front of me. <laughs> two different bills. One of them uh, a targeting a transgender girls and their ability to play a high school sports on the team that they identify with. And then the other bill would limit or, or inhibit medical professionals, uh, their ability to prescribe hormone blockers or hormones, cross-gender hormones, or I'm sorry, cross-sex hormones, and or any further medical procedures that would involve a, a surgical technique or a knife uh, on a body. In my, so then the two bills, sports and medical interventions. The sports bill actually passed the House and it passed the Senate. So it's now on Governor Cox's table. An interesting name for a governor of the state of Utah, who's a, as far as Republicans go, I think he's a pretty moderate Republican. Uh, governor Cox has indicated a, a tremendous amount of support for the transgender and non-binary youth of the state of Utah, as well as the entire LGBTQ community at large. Governor Cox has indicated that he will not uh, sign this bill for the transgender sports. He has a very soft spot in his heart for trans and non-binary youth and has spoken with and met with many of them. I think that exposure, that real-life experience of meeting community members, especially youth, have really touched his heart. The transgender medical care bill, I believe, has not uh, come up for legislation. I could be way wrong about that. Um, my idea, though, is that should it pass House and Senate and go to the governor's desk, Governor Herb, I'm sorry, Governor Cox will take his uh, or take his influence from Governor Herbert, who said this is not a legislative uh, scope of practice. This is outside of the determination for this legislative body to determine how a medical practice uh, should be run or could be run legally and ethically. And I think Governor Cox, if doesn't outright, if he does not outright veto it, he will pitch it to the Division of Professional Licensing and give them the final say as to who uh, can prescribe what or who cannot prescribe what. So that's just in Utah. That's just on Capitol Hill. How does that affect my clients? And I call them clients on my side, on the mental health side. On the medical side, we call them patients. So I may go back and forth from calling them clients and patients, and I, it's confusing, be, it's confusing in many ways. But I, as a mental health professional, I refer to my clients as clients. Can I, do, can I jump in real quick, Kimberly? Please, please. So you, you mentioned conversion therapy, and that's been a big deal last year, especially. Mm -hmm. And... Um, so, and I saw, and I was reading some things last summer as I was entering into my graduate program. Uh -huh. Is conversion therapy illegal in Utah or are there carve outs for religious organizations? So this is what's interesting. The legislate, uh, well, so Governor Herbert, I'm, yes, yeah, so Governor Herbert passed it to, to DOPL. Doppel indicated that conversion therapy is illegal for minors. Specifically, it is illegal for anyone with a license that practices mental health to practice it with minors. So if we think about the broad spectrum of individuals who have contact with minors who might be inclined to convince this child that their behavior or identification is, is uh, not normal, 
that would be any uh, ecclesiastical uh, leaders. It could be it could be coaches. It could be personal coaches. It could be sports coaches. Excuse me. It could be teachers. Anyone who's not a licensed mental health care provider could indeed practice a version of conversion therapy. For adults 18 and over with uh, implied consent, I'm sorry, with informed consent, they can seek out licensed mental health care providers who could legally provide conversion therapy if they chose to as an adult. So it gets a little bit, you know, in the weeds as far as who can practice it, who can't practice it, who can ask for it and accept it, and who can't ask for it and accept it from a licensed professional. So, so go ahead, go ahead. No, that, that leaves a question. So what a lot of our listeners probably don't realize is that the LDS Church runs a very large social services organization. Right. Are their therapists licensed? And how was how does that affect LDS social services? So kid goes into the family, goes into the bishop, says, my kid is trans. Bishop says, let me give you a referral to LDS social services, which is, this is exactly how it would work. And we both know that being yeah, ex-Mormons. This is the, that's the process, yep. So we're, how does LDS social services play into this in Utah, especially, I'm assuming they're licensed as an LCSW or some sort of therapist? Many, so this is where the, the murkiness of the waters is interesting. The first thing in the question that would be, and this hasn't been challenged in court, by the way, so okay. we don't know how this would play out. My hunch is that it could play out several ways. Either LDS Social Services is operating as adjunctive to a bishop and would be exempt from any religious uh, caveats. So yes, in in the um, in that proviso for minors, you would be able to get that conversion therapy, you know, from anyone who's not a mental health care professional. That would include your ecclesiastical leader. So let's say a bishop refers to LDS Social Services, and then they find a therapist or a counselor there. And then is that person operating under a license, either an LMHC or an LMFT or an L- uh, LCMHC? And all those letters mean different, slightly different things, but they're all essentially therapists. Yep. Could that counselor or therapist legally give that guidance or that counseling to that minor having been referred from LDS Social Services? The answer is I don't know because it hasn't been tested yet. My hunch is that anybody with a license or looking for licensure, practicing as an associate or an intern for LDS Social Services, they may have to take a long, hard look in the mirror and say, is this affecting my ability to to practice later on as a fully licensed uh, therapist or counselor? I I don't know because I don't operate in in those circles. Uh, and I don't know anybody who currently works for LDS Social Services. So the answer is, I don't know. Yeah. No, and it's a new law. I mean, it only came into effect last, last year. year. So, yeah. So, I mean, it hasn't had time for somebody to go in. To and trickle down, and, right? Yeah. So, no, that makes sense. And I, my hunch is, you know, I, you know I'm know, i a student member of the American Counseling Association. Mm-hmm. And reading through their bylaws and their ethics code, I would think if, you know, an LMHC, like, licensed mental health counselor, which is what I'm working towards right now, I would think that that's a violation of the ethics code and, you know, and definitely for APA, American Psychological Association as well. So I, you know, I don't know. Yeah, you might be able to do it legally, but are you going to be able to keep, you know, you know, as part of your governing board, are you going to be able to stay in good standing if you're practicing this? And that's, I think that we're going to figure this out here, I think in the next few years. Right, right. And I think that, um, 
Sorry, I'm, I'm slightly distracted. I just got a text about a client who's in crisis. <laughs> Interestingly enough, a transgender man in crisis with a religious background. So you're seeing play out real time on the podcast right now, the kind of stuff that filters through my porous boundaries for particular clients. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure how this is going to play out. Uh, and I honestly, my mind is in this, in this other space now. So bring me back. What was the question that you just asked? I well, we, apologize yeah. profu profusely. No, we're just talking about, um, you know, LDS social services, you know. Right, 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 right. And, you know, licensing, not licensed. Can they provide conversion therapy if they're licensed? So it will, what we came down oh, to Oh, we were is, talking about we, APA guidelines, ethical guidelines, yeah. legal, legally versus ethically. We yes. don't, we don't so, know yet. So this is interesting. APA, just on March 3rd of this year, March 3rd of 2021, APA released a guide or a statement regarding the uh, unethicalness, or it's a statement against uh, conversion therapy for transgender people. They had a release, they had a statement released for against uh, homosexuality or, or same gender attraction as some uh, areas of the country like to call it SSA as well. So they came out with a policy statement a few years ago about uh, uh, homosexuality. Now, finally, in 2021, they've come out with a policy statement against gender conversion therapy as well. So this stuff, even from the highest levels of mental health, governing bodies, it's still relatively new and it's still trickling down through members. Now, if you have a therapist whose ethical guidelines, the very board that's giving them permission to practice under their licensing and their letters, if that board says you can't practice gay conversion therapy, you can't practice uh, transgender conversion therapy, and you're still practicing it, then the individual has, a, has an entitled... A uh, very entitled right as a consumer to file a, compl a complaint against their uh, local cons uh, consumer board and their local licensing board to 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 file. You definitely, as a as a consumer, have the right to file a, a complaint if you feel like you've been uh, served poorly by your practitioner. Yeah, and I think that I think you know, in a state like Utah where mm -hmm. they have some of these carve outs, I think we're gonna have you're gonna see this come up in court yeah. and through ethical challenges. Yep. But you know. We won't know until we get there, so no. I and I don't want to get into trying to predict the future other than it's going to happen at some point, so it will it will happen, yep. And it's interesting about the school sports issue. Um somebody from the Utah High School Sports Association, uh, Athletic Association, he he appeared before the um state the the uh, committee the House Rules and Means Committee and he talked about how they already had a transgender policy in place. So this legislation that this this uh, legislator was proposing was actually redundant, and was more restrictive than the light than the language that UHSAA already had in place. So well, that was interesting to think about. Or to yeah, learn. and and so many sports associations already have you know a year or two waiting period when it comes to you know male to female transgender people. Every major and international sports body yeah. does. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. And, you know, yeah. even my brother, I've brought this up before, you know, about a year after I started my hormone replacement therapy, I mean, he's like, oh, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, it's July 4th. I'm going to go run a 10K. And he's like, well, he goes, well, what division are you running? And I said, well, 45 and up females. He's like, do you think that's fair? I'm like, I'm so slow. It doesn't matter. Why, why, why does right. this matter for my 4th of July 10K? And well, like, you should, one of the ways you could have answered is, I'm really flattered that you think I could win. I That's came really, in, thank I came you in, for having the confidence in me to feel that I could actually win that division. Thank you. Yeah, That's really sweet of you to say that. Yeah. 
I did, and I came in eighth out of ten in my age, age and gender category. So I'm like, there, like it's just, this has just seeped so far and has gotten so ridiculous, you know. And it really only matters for like really elite athletes. And if transgender athletes were such a danger to female sports, you know, they would be owning records across the board in major sports, and they just. It's just not happening. We don't. Yeah. Not in the NCAA level. Certainly not in the Olympic level. It's not happening. It's a, it's yeah. a straw man. Yep. This is the legislation looking for a problem. I think it's legislators looking to get reelected because that's yeah. their main job. The main job of any politician is to become reelected. And so I think that floating this legislation past constituents that, that will, you know, fan the flames will say, well, I tried to do this and it was shut down by this. Well, I tried to do this and it was, I was representing you with in all these different ways. And remember that awful transgender bill that I brought in that was struck down by all the liberals. That's the kind of work that we need to ha have keep going. I think that these bills are brought forward by people whose uh, elective future is dubious and they're bringing these bills up to make sure that their constituents feel that they're working on their behalf. That's my personal uh, opinion about it. I think these are just people that are scared well, they're scared they're to lose scared. their job. And then the people that they represent are scared out of uh, mis, or, mis or disinformation about the subject. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I've talked about this before, and I think, you know, these are, you know, and this is going to hit your, I, I was listening to your Therapist on Therapist podcast oh, last yeah. night, you know. Okay. You, you know, but. You're going to activate my limbic you know, system right now? comes right down. <laughs> exactly. This, this, this fear is all down here in the amygdala, yep. right yep. down here yep. in the base. Mm -hmm. And it's. You know, and I've talked about this. When we get up here to this prefrontal cortex, we yeah. start thinking differently. We start we start evolving. We start moving forward. Where have I heard this before, Kimberly? Let's check the facts on this legislation. <laughs> yes, let's use some DBT skills. Let's use some critical thinking skills. Let's re-engage that prefrontal cortex. Let's take the control and the thought process away from our lizard brain, our amygdala and our limbic system, and re give that gift, that gift, back to your cerebrum, your prefrontal cortex, so it can engage on a higher level of thinking. I mean, honestly, the legisl any legislation based on fear is you're, you're appealing to a bunch of lizards who you're representing your constituents. That's right. I called people lizards. I'm okay with that. We share a lizard brain with, with many uh, animals and reptiles and birds on this planet. It's just how it is. You know, one of oh. the best things I've learned from you, though, in the last year or so? Tell is, me. Um, <laughs> I'm dying to hear this. This reminds me, though. It's like, you know, if, you, if you're engaging your prefrontal cortex, you can't be afraid. And I was just going to tell you a, a butter joke. But I was afraid but you were going to you spread. You better, yeah, don't don't tell me any butter jokes because I all I will do is just spread them all around. That's all I will do. Hey, did you hear why the why the fart didn't graduate from high school? No. It got expelled. Oh. <laughs> I have a client going in for top surgery on Thursday of this week, and we spent thirty minutes in session telling boob jokes. There are a lot of really good boob dad jokes or dad boob jokes or. Dad jokes about boobs, or maybe dads with boob jokes. Who knows? On, on that vein, I mean, I am having my bottom surgery tomorrow, so we've discussed yeah. that. So, you know, any got any good bottom jokes? Two lesbian therapists walk into a taco bar. <laughs> I already know. <laughs> That's not even the punchline. It is the punchline. <laughs> oh. the, the punchline would be, you want to split some tacos? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, tomorrow is Tuesday, so it is Taco Tuesday for Amy. Taco Tuesday! <laughs> wow. 
Oh my God! You're having your surgical procedure for your for uh, which is admittedly a very private decision to share that. So thank you. Yep. But that what a what a fun thing to be able to say that you had that procedure done on Taco Tuesday. Yeah. Quite literally, it will be Taco Tuesday. I'm gonna I, take lo- it with, I actually really love that. Yeah, I'm going to take it with the mild sauce. You better take it with the mild sauce. Because <laughs> if you take it with the hot sauce, you're going to be there for a while with some complications. Exactly. Yep. So, yeah, oh yeah. Well, well, let's get back to... <laughs> let's get back to what we're really here for. There's a lot of disclosure going on, which is totally awesome. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's interesting uh, though, because I've been more open with my procedure like here on the podcast sure. and on the transformation thursday private group so but i haven't really put it out on my twitter my public facebook right. i think it's a relationship that i have with our audience that i've I, heard you say that here before yeah yeah and i can trust us so you know, i hope hey. so and yeah. so that's just it do i tell your story to anybody i ever meet no you you've been wonderful. the answer is no I don't tell this. I don't tell anybody's story. If I started telling people stories, what the fuck kind of therapist would? Oh, can I say the F word on your podcast? Yeah. Okay. What the fuck kind of therapist would I be? Answer a bad therapist. Yeah. Well, we've known each other three and a half long years time. already. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So someday yeah, we'll actually meet in person. Isn't that funny? We haven't met yet in person. And I think it's really a lovely thing about technology, especially um, during the pandemic, is that we have formed very close very close personal relationships beyond friendship with many people that we may never meet. This is really, we've really reinvented the way that we connect, the way that we socialize, the way that we form and maintain relationships. Uh, I quite frankly think that it's, it's been wonderful and I'm really very excited to start seeing clients in person again. So yeah, yeah, it's uh, a, yeah. and as you know, I've been making this long drive back and forth um, to see the, the woman that I'm dating. And so, but a lot of times what I'll end up doing is I will end up calling one of the people that we know from our group and I'll have like a half hour to an hour conversation. I with, love with that. Them. I love and that. And I'll even text her like a day or two before say, hey, I'm going to be in the car. You know, I have, I have the drive Let's, ahead of me. Here's the window. And, Let's connect. And that's what we do. I love that. See, this is the community that I'm talking about that we have created that's keeping us alive. It's keeping us sane. It's keeping our energy moving forward. It's fabulous. It's absolutely yep. fabulous. So, By the way, I'm extremely envious that you have a relationship. I'm not envious of that particular woman, <laughs> but she is, she is lovely, uh, as are you, but I'm not envious of the two of you. I'm envious of you having a relationship. Yep. And I'll just leave it at that. Thank you. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Yeah, and, um, no, and you know, and I'll be in Harper's Ferry actually yeah, in this summer, sure. hopefully. Well, and you, and every, well, and every once in a while you get a picture. So I mean, all of a, <laughs> that's right. It's like, oh, here's a picture with me with Mary from the Latter Day Lesbian podcast. Here's a tease. Here's a tease. Yeah. Yep. So it's fun. Uh-huh. Yep. So we talked about legislation we talked about ethics we talk about just jokes and stuff and shit for a little bit so vaginas yeah vaginas so it's fun chat yep it's been great so but but this stuff has real mental health impact it does and And, and so we we do need to get back to the seriousness of this and so you know and you've seen this firsthand so you know you just mentioned you had a trans guy that's texting you in crisis yep Mm -hmm. 
you know, what are you seeing on the ground there, you know, in Utah as this stuff's been playing out over this legislative session and even last year? Right. I think I, I think what we can really kind of go back to is this idea of inclusion versus exclusion. And since we have talked about the amygdala and fight, flight, or fear, one of our greatest primal fears is to be excluded from a community because that does play on our primal fear of being abandoned and left alone and threatened at the, at the risk of death. I mean, that goes back to you know, millions of years. Yes, I believe in evolution. So we have in our brain programmed into the very core of our DNA, the very core of our primal thinking brain, that we need to be part of a community to be safe. When legislation of any kind is introduced that can other or exclude or minimize or dismiss a, a core part of someone's identity, that certainly a adds to the feeling that they will have of being excluded and it decreases their safety and it increases their anxiety and their depression. Often it increases their suicidality. So just at the very basis of these bills being introduced that wants to re reduce services of any kind for trans and non-binary people, that alone is enough to send a message of we don't want you. We don't like you. We don't affirm you. We certainly don't celebrate you. And your existence is in jeopardy. We don't believe your existence is real. And we want to squash it out and make sure that it doesn't infect the rest of the normal people. That's what that legislation does. That's the, that's the foundational uh, uh, vibration that many trans people operate on is this shaky space that people in their community don't want them around. I can affirm them to the moon and back, and I do all the time. And it really, at the end of the day, sometimes doesn't even matter because they know that when our session's over, they exit our space and enter a space where people, the default setting is to not affirm them. So it increases all its anxiety, depression, suicidality. Uh, it increases uh, physical health symptoms. We somaticize trauma. We hold it in our body and it comes out sideways if it's not taken care of in the form of all kinds of, of physical ailments. Now, I'm not a medical doctor, so I don't feel like it's in my scope to, you know, to talk about that. But we do know that it happens. Well, there's it a shows mind, up. Yeah, there's a mind-body connection. There's Absolutely, no there is. It. And so, uh, so my much of my role, in fact, I'm I'm focusing currently on only taking transgender clients who are working within a family system, who want to make their family system stronger, or who want to repair a, a family system that's been broken or ruptured. So that my niche of a niche of a niche is getting even more narrow, uh, which is fascinating because I'm getting more and more busy. My main goal is to make sure that the parents learn that it's their job, it's their responsibility, even their, their moral obligation to take care of their kids in a loving, accepting way. They may not accept the kid, but that does not, that does not preclude them from fulfilling their responsibility as a parent. Now, I won't get into specifics, but I will share this. I had a parent, uh, a, a, a dad of a trans girl in session last week. And we were talking about a communication breakdown that the, the dad and the daughter were having. Now, I will not share any personal information. The daughter, mild ADHD, 
undiagnosed. A lot of, you know, stuff going on with this kid, not to mention trans stuff. So it's, you know, the fragility is there anyway. And the conversations with dad are breaking down in often really ugly ways. And so we're trying to rebuild the connection with the dad. And the dad says, when you respond like this and you break down and you're crying, now I feel that not only am I in charge of my own emotions, but I'm also in charge of your emotions. And I'm sitting there just going, Kimberly, be cool. Be cool. You'll have your chance. And so we talked for a few minutes. And I said, Dad, I want to I want to come back. After I gave my chance, myself a chance to kind of regroup, I said, I want to come back to something that you said earlier about you feeling like you're responsible for your emotions and for your daughter's emotions. And I said, let's not forget that in that moment where you see your daughter in pain and discomfort, in distress, and crying and asking for help, your job as a parent is to take care of your child. Your job as a parent is to comfort your child. Your job as a parent is to put your stuff aside, put your emotions aside, and take care of your child, regardless of her age, regardless of his age, regardless of their age. Dad, that's literally your job. And the dad was just like, whoa, I'm getting called out. And I'm like internally going, whoa, Kimberly, you just called that dad out. And the, the kid, the child is like, whoa, my therapist just called my dad out. And the dad was quiet for a moment and he got really emotional. He's like, yeah, you're right. I appreciate that reframe. Sometimes it just needs to be an outside voice going, dad, you got to get with the program here. It is your job to take care of your kid. Why do we feel such a desire and an ease to pawn that responsibility back onto the child when we ourselves may be our, our child's worst enemy or our child's worst bully, even in that moment of trying to do the best thing possible for our kid. We as parents need to suspend our ego. I talk about this all the time. Suspend our ego. Get out of the way of supporting our own kids. It can be a big challenge. And that's where my job or my role as a moderator slash therapist comes in to have those conversations, to keep the parent in check, to remind the, the parent of their responsibility, to remind the child of their responsibility, to maybe say to the child, hey, let's extend some more grace. Hey, let's expense, extend some more compassion. And then work, work with both of those individuals to come to a, a communication agreement that this is how we're going to try to communicate moving forward. So my job as a therapist is to make sure that that family system is safe for the kid so that when the kid hears the messaging from outside of the house, the dad is an ally, the mom is an ally, the family system is an ally. And I will say this, I've never been more proud than seeing my clients' parents uh, testify before state legislators regarding the the trans bills this uh, past spring in the Utah State Legislature. They went from skeptic parent to full-blown engaged advocate, and I just glowed. Not for me. I glowed for their kid, and I glowed for them. Huge moments of growth. Tremendous, tremendous growth. That's the work I do. And that's and that's very important work. And <coughs> Excuse me. But it also takes a very aware person to be able to be called out in those moments, either in therapy, mm -hmm. um, driving in a car with a loved one, you know, right. in the heat of yep. a moment in an argument. And that's why we need our, that's that why we need our, our functioning brain. <laughs> yeah, but that 
But we need that reality in our lives. And when we can get to that higher functioning, that's when that growth starts to happen. Right. That's when love and compassion happens. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and you're able to provide that for a very vulnerable community. Yes, and I am in, I am in a unique position to be able to do that right now. Uh, I it's It's kind of a point of privilege, honestly. Not a lot of people can do that. I can. Uh, I don't walk around, uh, you know, taller than anybody else. Well, I am almost six feet tall. I don't ride, ride around on a, on a white stallion. Uh, I certainly don't put myself on a pedestal, but I'm in a position to be able to do that now. And so that's my, that's my role and that's my calling. And so that's what I do. Yeah. And, you know, and it's kind of interesting. Well, it's not kind of interesting. I don't think it's coincidence that, you know, the universe has brought us together as friends right. because, I mean, you've been, you've been my trans role model. You Thank know. you. <laughs> Thank you know, you. but quite literally, I mean, I I saw the path that you were creating. And then especially when I had my career change, you know, a couple right. of years ago, mm-hmm. you know, I look out at the landscape and I go, what else can I do? And I felt the same calling. And so, you know, yeah. you don't have our interchanges are very valuable. And, you know, granted, upstate New York isn't as religious of an area as Utah, but we still have conservative people here. We still have our skeptics. We still have people who want to put down the trans mm-hmm. community. And, you know, and I think that's the glaring, you know, and I spoke with a, a psychologist last semester. I did an interview for my program with a practicing psychologist. And that's the glaring, even this, as you said, you know, probably 20 minutes ago, the trans stuff and the LGBTQ stuff is still relatively new in the right. psychology and therapist circles. So there is just a lack of education on a lot of people's parts, even in the mental health. And so right. we're pushing the envelope. You know, I'm doing it in my program. You're doing it there in Utah. And we're really pushing this stuff forward. And so thank God. Yeah. Honestly, thank God, because you and I will come at this with a passion that uh, cis therapists won't. You and I will come to this with a passion and an understanding and awareness that even queer therapists won't. Um, I have people wait for me for a month to come and see me because I'm trans. Because I'm transgender. On TikTok, I'm very visible on TikTok. Every week I get messages, I wish you were my therapist. How do I find a trans-affirming therapist? How do I do this? My parents are not affirming. My parents are not supportive. How do I do this? I can't answer every, every message. But I know that there are people out there in every state desperate for a trans competent therapist. So if you're trans and you're thinking of becoming a therapist, do it. Do it. You will never be unemployed. I guarantee you. Yep. And I hate to use the word guarantee. You will never be unemployed. I can't see all the people that want to see me. Well, not by any virtue of anything. Tr- yeah. I'm not special. I don't have any magic wand or special sauce. Although I do have fry sauce, I don't have any you know, fairy powder to uh, sprinkle around and make everything better. And I know that the trans clients that I see, we can cut through a lot of the stuff just because they know that I know that they know that I know that they know that I know that they know that I know. You know? Yeah, but also in Utah, your your credibility as you know a ex Mormon has to help too because you understand the culture, and you're still Absolutely. even though you don't. Yeah, and even though you don't believe and you're not a member of the church anymore and I'm not a member of the church anymore, I think what I've learned from you is still respect the faith because it's such an important part of people's lives and how that interplays with their lives. And we have to give those people the space to believe the way they want. It's like, and how do we work through, 
the trans issues with the Mormon community, it's right. that's a delicate balance that you seem to be work. I mean, you're doing it, but I'm sure it's without not without its challenges. Yes, I. It is. It is, I am doing it. And it does have a challenge. And let's make sure I don't support the faith on any level. Uh, I do support members who believe that faith. I support members who practice that faith. But I don't support that faith. I think the faith is misogynistic. I think it's sexist. I think it's racist. I think it's homophobic. I think it's transphobic. And I think it's xenophobic. Uh, there's not one phobia, that the, the negative phobia, that doesn't you know, marinate uh, in Mormonism. Um, and, and many of the people I work with, specifically many of the families I work with, are active believing members. So if I want to repair a relationship or I'm sorry, if I want to help the family repair their relationship, I can't come in on fire wanting to set them on fire. I can't do that. I have to meet the client where they are, which, by the way, is the cardinal rule of being a therapist. Meet the client where they are. So if I can't do that, if I can't suspend the dumpster fire of anger and rage and hate that burns deep within my soul, if I can't suspend that and put it on my little shelf... And just come at the client with a very even keel, with a positive, an unconditional positive regard, and at the same time knowing my path is not their path. My anger should never be their anger, and I'll use the word should. My anger is mine. My path is mine. Their path is theirs. My job as a therapist is to validate their path and support them on the path that they choose to go down. Is it the healthiest healthiest path for them? It, that's not my concern. It's their chosen path. And as long as they're informed and aware of the path that they're on, my job is to support them until the point that it becomes reckless or dangerous. And in terms of religious belief, uh, I can have no say in that because I, I don't know, unless they're harming other people. So I have to hold space for their belief. It's required of me as a therapist which puts me in a delicate position because often I'm working with people who are anti-trans and who are pro-Mormon. So they're contrary to the very things that I am. And I still have to be able to put my stuff over here and work with them exactly where they are. It's hard to do that. He used one of my favorite counseling terms just now. Unconditional positive regard. Positive regard, yeah. And, and the other thing is, we call it something a little bit different, well, at least what I learned. But, you know, when we set that aside, you know, we, I learned it as bracketing. I got to bracket oh, out my okay. shit. And like you said, I need to put that on the shelf. I need to move it to the side so that way I can have that unconditional positive regard. Right. Because just like you said, I'm anti-Mormon and pro-trans. Right. <laughs> So be so be careful when you're meeting with the person that's anti-trans and pro-Mormon because your core belief system will run contrary to their core belief system. And who are you there for? Are you there for you? You're never there for you. You're always there for the client. Yep, and that's and if I'm going to get any if we're going to get anything done, me as a future counselor, you as a therapist that's you know practicing right now, right. we got to be able to set our shit aside. We have to. It's ethically, it's, it's incumbent it, it, upon it, us. Yeah, it is, yeah. because we can't transfer our shit to them. Well, so that's why our cups have to be empty, so that when we hold their stuff, our stuff doesn't spill over to them. Lots of metaphors here. Yep. The, thing that, the thing that I make sure that I do with my clients is I disclose. 
especially if it's a first meeting with a parent. I say, look, I'm a transgender woman. I transitioned about six, seven years ago. Uh, I was raised as a Mormon. I went on a mission. My two kids went on missions, you know, blah, blah, blah. I resigned from the Mormon church on November 5th, uh, November 5th of 2016. And I no longer believe or practice. My religion is now love. That's my boilerplate disclosure. And when they hear that, then they then they at that point have the chance to recuse themselves from the session or they have the choice to continue. So if they choose to continue, then that in indicates to me a good faith effort on their part that they're willing to put aside any feeling they may have about me in the benefit of the client or the child that they're working with. So, yeah, I have to disclose. And how many people at that point would actually get up and walk out? Because they're coming to you because of your background. It is my guest, right? Many of them are specifically, and they know before they come and see me. And many parents have researched who I am before they come and see me. And I think they want to see if I'm going to disclose with them in the moment what I what they know about me before I before they have met with me. And so I'm very transparent about who I am and where I've been and what I do uh, in in all social media strata. And so if I'm anything different than that in a meeting with a parent, they're going to call me out. Well, wait a minute. I saw that. So I think they're looking either to establish trust or undermine trust. And when they see that they can't undermine trust, then they're forced to establish trust. And when trust and safety are present, then vulnerability can be there. And then that's when the real work can happen. I love that. I think this is a perfect place to wrap up. What do you think? Oh, are you kidding? I'm just getting going. I know, but I, I got, I got Penny Sterling that's going to be here in like twenty minutes. Oh well, then let's stop. Yeah, because because <laughs> we got to make space for Penny. We got we, we for, definitely for have Penny. to make space. Penny's going to edit this, so we definitely need to make that space for Penny. Hi, Penny. Hi, Penny. <laughs> Love ya. Love ya. Yeah. Penny's actually giving me a ride to Syracuse, so that'll be Woo. nice. Woo. So yep. So. Well, congratulations on Surgery Eve, Taco Day Eve. Thank you so much. Good luck tomorrow. It's been quite Thank a you. journey. Yep. It's been a privilege and an honor to have walked alongside of you many times. Yeah, it has been. Likewise. Um, Thank you. This is a big deal. I just glow when people that I know are going through this. I just glow. I feel like a mama hen watching my little birdies fly away. Or actually, chickens don't f fly, do they? But anyway, I feel like a proud mother watching my kids jump off and fly. So congratulations. Yeah, and I mean... When we started talking and FaceTiming and those things, I was still wearing boy clothes a lot of the time. Do you have any of those left? Uh, you might have a few. I have some Carhartts left. This, I is have about, some... this, this is about it. That's my sweatshirt from my fire department. That's about oh, it. Fire department hoodie. Yeah, that will be a unisex, unigender fire department hoodie. Yeah, that's really about it. I don't have any boy clothes left. If you needed to work on your car, what would you wear? Probably just a cheap pair of jeans and a that hoodie. Yeah, that hoodie. <laughs> yeah, so I have the same the same kind of a thing. I have one pair of work pants and one, you know, a couple of shirts and top. I mean, this is girl, whatever. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's so exciting. Hello, Syracuse, Orangeman. Yep. So yeah, Upstate Hospital. What time will you enter the surgical suite? Okay, so the plan is is that, um, of course, by the time this airs, this will be all in the past. You'll be healing and hearing it healing. while you're in the bed. Yeah, yep, high, exactly. high post-surgical, um, Amy. How are yep. you doing on the other side? I got into so I got to be at the hospital at five thirty, seven thirty into the surgical suite, according to the doctor. About nine o'clock, they'll start cutting in between three thirty and four four o'clock local time. Uh, 
still be wrapping up. So Nice. Six hours. Yeah. So I'll ask what I will do tomorrow is I'll make sure that Penny posts something um, somewhere that lets the world know that I'm okay. So I got That's a whole awesome. phone tree thing going. Sure. Yeah, when you roll when you roll yeah. out, let us know. Because yep. anytime you go under is a big deal. Oh, yeah, I'm I have so my excited. Well, just because of the unique situation with my living situation, my ex-wife still has, you know, the medical directives and powers of attorney. So we've talked sure. through that stuff. So sure. um, she's responsible for calling um, my parents. My parents are responsible for notifying my family. Um, and then um, she's responsible for texting Penny and um, the other lovely lady in my life. So, so yeah. okay, so they'll find out through your ex-wife's phone tree. Yep. Because the only person that would have uh, legal standing to send out any information would be your doctor to your wife, your ex-wife, I'm sorry. Yep. Yeah, so we still have those medical directives in place. It just makes sense for, since neither one of us have family here in Rochester where we live, so this is, makes the most sense. No, I think it's great. Oh. Yep. Are you scared? So. I do you want to stop this and talk like honestly? <laughs> I will stop this, but I'm good. I'm just, you know, I'm just nervous and anxious. Just ready. You know, I've had. I'll validate that. Balls. I'll validate I'll, the fuck out of that. I've had, this is the fifth date for the surgery. So I've had four previous <sighs> reschedules. So it's just time to get it done. It's like watching the space shuttle. It <laughs> launches canceled. Yep. So I won't make well, it let me hit pause here anymore. in a little bit, but. Yeah. Um, but right now we're going to say goodbye to Kimberly Anderson. Thank you so much for coming back on Transformation Thank Thursday. Thank you. Yep. And, and, and we'll just say goodnight now. Goodnight, Kimberly. Goodnight. Farewell. Good night. Auf Wiedersehen. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>